Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Israelis, again, don't want that death toll to rise. They don't want the Israel Israel side uh, death toll to rise. And if they go into uh, Gaza on a ground in, in invasion there will be a higher death toll on both sides. When Israel gets strike, it's a strike against the United States. Right. They are our appendage in the Middle East. In terms of, of morale, I think the Israelis lost this and they know that. And they will have to go back when this is all over and sit down and think about why there was an intel lapse. I think the, the goal wasn't to wipe out Israel. I think that is way too audacious for, for even for them. I think the goal was to deliver a major blow to Israel and that was done. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. I want to introduce our guest, Lisa Deftari. She is the editor-in-chief of The Foreign Desk and the host of The Foreign Desk with Lisa Deftari. She understands the region better than anybody I know. She's going to help break down the Biden trip, his policy, his interaction with foreign leaders, and where we go from here. Lisa, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you making time. Um, let me just start with this. What do you make of what the president is trying to accomplish on this trip to Israel, and, and is he achieving those goals? You know, uh, before he went, we were thinking about the goals of the trip, what it could potentially accomplish and what it should accomplish, right? Two concerns and um, perhaps uh, requirements of this trip. One, obviously, is to bring the hostages home, especially because there are American hostages in the mix. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is this is an ally of ours. This is basically... Um, as many people have called it, Iran's war on, on the free world and, and Israel be doing the dirty work in eradicating Hamas. Secondly, we'll piggyback off of the first uh, thought, is that, you know, um, will the Biden administration push for a premature ceasefire, not allowing the Israelis to do what they set out to do? The goal of this war, uh, and again, when people try to make both sides look very equal. The goal of Hamas was to come in and cause a massacre of civilians. The goal of Israel in declaring war was to eradicate or decimate Hamas to the best of its ability. So if there should be a, a premature ceasefire, uh, anything short of that goal will mean a more probable that we would get a Hamas attack anywhere else in the world, including Europe and the United States. So it would behoove the Biden administration to allow Israel to do what it what it deems necessary in terms of uh, diminishing Hamas at this moment. So the thing that I find interesting um, is sometimes we try to apply logic to illogical things, right? I I looked at what happened in Israel and said, 
would this have happened if, if they didn't feel a sense of U.S. weakness? Is that a fair assessment or is Hamas so barbaric and savage that it really didn't, they don't worry about retaliation or they don't care about the United States? So was this inevitable or was it they sensed weakness and took advantage of it? Sean, I think you hit the most important point in all of this. I'm going to take one step back. It's not just Hamas. Obviously, we know Iran's regime is pulling the puppet strings. Iran's regime has played the Biden administration like a fiddle from day one. They came into office. They said the Biden administration wanted to reverse Donald Trump's policies on Iran. And I'm going to take one step back from that and say President Obama was the first to flip our foreign policy, meaning I'm going to just do a foreign yep. policy 101 here. Okay. If you look at the presidential timeline of all presidents and you take President Obama and President Biden out of that timeline, you will never know whether that president was Democrat or Republican when it comes to two things and that are that are relate to this equation, and that is Israel and terrorism. We never wavered in our relationship with Israel. We never wavered on having a strong stance on terrorism, national security, protecting our borders, protecting our assets, protecting our allies. But comes along President Obama from day one, apologizing to our enemies from day one, wanting to make nice with Iran's regime at the expense of turning our backs to Saudi Arabia, uh, Israel, and any other moderate forces in the region. He literally took our, our policies with the, the region and flipped it on its head. Comes along Donald Trump, and from day one, he says, I'm going to rip up that Iran nuclear deal because <laughs> it's a useless piece of paper. No, right? I, I was there. I, it was fascinating to watch him. I mean, I remember when we pulled out of this and everybody freaked out and Trump was like, it's the wrong, you know, we're not sticking in this thing. Uh, but so, so I guess let's get back to the question I asked. Yes. Was this attack inevitable or what if we had, if Trump was had won reelection or, or Biden hadn't shown appeasement to a rent, would this have happened or does Hamas? I not don't believe that. I don't just to give you a yes or no. I do not believe that would have happened. I think when you're whining and dining an enemy and telling them that regardless of what you do, kill protesters on the streets, you know, uh, beat a woman for not wearing her hijab properly to death. We'll, we'll look the other way. We're not even going to talk about regime change when there are hundreds of thousands of people on the streets of Iran calling for regime change for a whole year. The Biden administration looked the other way. Why? Because they wanted to strike a deal. They never would, would have punished the Houthis in Yemen or Hezbollah in Lebanon or Hamas in Gaza because they wanted to appease the regime. So the regime thinks to itself, we have up until Biden is in office to do something, and this is the perfect time to do it. I, you know, it's interesting. So I, I think it is fascinating because the U.S. media, and we'll talk about this in a second, seems to, and I, I've been critical of this last few days, pile on and talk about how great Biden has been to the response. Right. But it, you, you might be great on the response, but to some degree, if you caused it, right. then you, you're, you're giving someone credit for creating a problem than trying to solve the problem they created. Exactly. Bravo. It's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Israelis as well, very happy with Biden's response and perhaps because they're desperate because they don't know where they can get support from. And, and having a podium president right now and everything he has said at the podium has been wonderful. Right. But that, that, Lisa, the thing that was so funny, I, I apologize. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I laugh no, no, because no. because when I was working for Trump, they said, great, he gave a good speech. But, you know, Trump will revert back to his ways and his policies. Are and, and I agree with you. He, uh, David Friedman, the former ambassador, was on the show. We've had Dave Rubin. Uh, all these people said, yes, he gave a good speech. And you're, I think you put it best. He gave a, you know, he's a good podium president. But the actions matter. Right. And now, and now going forward, my main question, and I've said this in all my interviews is, 
what will the Biden administration's Iran policy be going yes. forward? Right. Not Israel, not Hamas. I want to know the Biden administration's Iran policy going forward. So what did it mean to you? I, I want to break this down separately because um, I want to. So let's just hold on on the hospital, on, on what led up to this hospital being uh, mm -hmm. attacked. When Biden, when the hospital was attacked, one of the fallout, aside from the life being lost, and we'll get to that, was that his trip was supposed to have, he was supposed to have met with the King of Jordan, the, the head of Egypt, the head of the Palestinian Liberation, the PLA. That all got canceled. The boss said no. How big of a deal is it that he's not meeting with those folks? You know, um, we have to back up a, a little bit. We also saw Anthony Blinken going through the region and getting a cold reaction from everyone. So we kind of saw this coming, right? The, the Biden administration is very funny because all of a sudden, obviously, their appeasement of Iran has led to this moment. The moderate Arab states know that. Saudi Arabia knows that. Jordan knows it. Egypt knows it. Uh, Morocco knows. I mean, you can go throughout the region and they all know it. But now they want to go through this tour of the Middle East and say, let's let's kumbaya here. Let's try to deescalate the situation together. And they're all like, you know, get out of here. We're not even we're not even going to, you know, cater to your shenanigans. You try to solve this one on your own because you created the problem. None of this is being reported in the media. You're asking the best questions, Sean. And the bottom line is, I know, I, you know, I looked at some friends and family last night who were asking me about the Biden chip and I was like, I think he's going to go have a falafel and like high five Bibi Netanyahu. But really, what what can he do other than to ask Bibi kindly, politely to deescalate? There's nothing that can be done here diplomatically because the states that are required, the neighboring countries that are required to play along, and it will require, of course, the Palestinian Authority, even though, you know, Mahmoud Abbas is a figurehead, whatever he says. It's not like Hamas is going to put down their arms if he asks them to. But regardless, in terms of the White House's diplomacy, I, you know, I, I think it, the fact that these countries pulled out, and I do think it was by design, I think all of this, all the dominoes fell at the right time. Um, I think that that definitely puts, you know, a hindrance on the, the Biden administration's plan for going out there. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. So let's get back to the hospital. Um, the president lands... And I want to just show you a clip and, and let's break it down. So this is the sure. president speaking uh, with Prime Minister Netanyahu after he arrives. Taking too much time. But the point is this, that uh, um, I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we've got, got to overcome a lot of things. All right, so the first thing I want to cover with you is this. The president is looking at note cards. Now, I get if you're going to rattle off a bunch of statistics. Here's the aid that we're going to present to you. Um, here's the, you know, the, he, he has stats and statistics and, and figures and facts he wants to hit. He's talking about his feelings. He's talking about the reaction right. to this hospital. And maybe I'm just being critical. And, and 
that's a fair, I mean, I, I admit it. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of this administration's policies. So I have, I'm willing to accept that maybe I'm just being overly critical. But I looked at it and I said, if you have to sit there and stare at notes sitting next to the prime minister of, of Israel to express your heartfelt feeling, that didn't look good to me. No. Well, there's a, there's a couple of factors here. I think you're absolutely right to think that this administration, even it, well, let me start with this. He's old, he's seen out, perhaps his, his administration doesn't trust him to go there and say the right things. And, and perhaps that's why he needs some no cards, even to say, hello, my name is Joe Biden. Um, and I'm not saying that facetiously because we have seen some of these uh, mistakes that he has made and, and it's embarrassing for the United States, for himself, for his administration. Secondly, um, this administration, if we want to take a look at it as an extension of the Obama administration, has not been so friendly. Look, he never had a formal sit down with Bibi Netanyahu. Right. Yes. Right? So, no, right wait, now, wait, 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 hold like on. Too just, too just, and I, the optics matter. The look. fact that you're sitting there and you can't just be. Listen, Sean, if it were you or me in that seat, we're not we're not in the office of the president. But you would know exactly what to say to Bibi Netanyahu right, right now. Right. And just to put a pin in this. They've known each other a long time. Right. And, and it wasn't just that they hadn't had a meeting. Biden shunned him. He right. refused to meet with him. And when he finally did, it was in New York because he didn't want to give him the right. honor and the prestige of meeting at the White House. I, I mean, and suddenly now he's the best friend. I mean, up until a few months ago, it was he, he's really kind of sticking it to Netanyahu. Right. And I want to I want to just make one point, Sean, because I, I, I see this a lot and I'm saying this to Israelis. I'm saying this to Americans. I'm saying this to the Biden administration to to marginalize Bibi Netanyahu right now is not the right time. Right. Bibi Netanyahu's marginalization in Israel is a domestic issue and it has nothing to do with this attack. Yes, there was an intelligence failure and we will find out more about that. But. The question I have for all the people who are forgetting Hamas and really sticking it to Bibi Netanyahu is if Bibi Netanyahu was removed from office, let's put an end to his political career today. Would there not be another terror attack on Israel? Would there not have been this terror attack on Israel? I don't think that, that that's a fair you know, uh, criticism of him at this moment until we get proper intel as to why this happened. None of the reasons or justifications for why Israel missed this or the United States missed this have sit, sat well with me covering this region for a very long time. I don't buy it for a moment that it was the weekend. They were looking the other way. They had their hair down. Israel doesn't do that. Um, I think there's much more to this. And obviously the sophistication and, and, and complexity of this plot being plans by Iran's regime and having their fingerprints all over it adds to that, of course. Uh, but I don't think it's the right time to focus on Bibi and and let the the uh, right. uh, kind of the blame off of, of Hamas for even a split second. So I want to get back to the to the press conference or the press avail. They're they're talking. Biden's reading the note cards. They're rehashing this hospital attack that's killed hundreds now. Both sides are pointing fingers at each other. The Israelis are willing to put up intelligence and say, here's, here's why it's clearly uh, Hamas. They said it was a failed rock, right? Palestinian Islamic Jihad, it's another terror group. But yes, right. they did say we will investigate at least to right. your point. But yes. they, there's, there's a, will, uh, you know, hey, this is a failed rocket that went off. Exactly. And, and the thought, that, again, I don't, admittedly, I'll admit my bias. Maybe I'm just being picky. But Biden's phraseology on this, he said, we think it's the other team. And I thought to myself, how callous, 500 people have just been killed at least. 
and you're calling this the other team as if this is, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees taking each Mm -hmm. other on. Right. Uh, He followed that up with, there are people around the world who think otherwise. And and that isn't that, but isn't that because he's getting pressure from Jordan, from Egypt saying, hey, don't make it. You you gotta you gotta take the rhetoric I down. I actually would take that a step further. I don't even think he's afraid of Egypt or Jordan. I think he's afraid of America's left. I think he's yeah. afraid of his own constituents. I think he's afraid of what what the backlash would be here at home uh, if he took sides at this point. Even though there is evidence being presented, look, we needed a resolute president with a spine to handle this. Um, and we knew that, that, that Biden going into this was not going to be that character. It was not going, especially when it comes to Bibi and especially when it comes to Israel. Very, very unfortunately. Um, look, in this day and age, there's evidence for everything, right? There's video footage. There's, you know, and, and unfortunately, social media has played such a, an ugly role in all of this, obviously, because people very quickly uh, judge and decide. And already we have protests all around the world because of this hospital bombing. And no one will listen to the evidence, even though, as you said, uh, you know, Israel said, let's take a step back here. Let's, let's investigate this and we'll get back to you. And they got back to the world. They show Biden the evidence and he goes, it looks like it was. And it's not even the other team. This is, you know, self-sabotage and then trying to pin it on Israel. This is exactly the narrative that plays over and over again. I've seen this so many times. And let me tell you one other thing. So many of the elements of this war taking hostages, setting, you know, uh, killing your own in in terms of of, uh, setting up the other side, all Iran's regime. I mean, look, remember the hostages they took in 1979, 1980? Look at what they did with Cinema Rex, which was in the in the time of, of setting up the Shah to make it look like the Shah's uh, um, uh, government set up this, this movie theater on fire, killing Iranians, when it was actually the, uh, the Basij that did that. This has so many elements of Iran's regime in it. And to really look at that and say it was, it was the other side, um, I don't know if he's trying not to understand the context. He's trying to minimize the damage onto himself in, in choosing a side and siding with Israel in this case. So the U.S. response so far has been to send two air, aircraft carrier groups, um, carrier groups to, to the region. Uh, you got the Ford and the Ike. Uh, then you've got 2,000 troops going over largely in, in um, administrative roles. Is that, they're, they're, they're saying this is a deterrence does Hamas or Iran care, right? This is this is something that I, I sort of, let me back into this for a second. When the president visited Ukraine, they gave a heads up to Russia and said, hey, the president's gonna be going over there. And even Putin knows we're not gonna do this, right? Another state actor wouldn't do this. I just, I don't think that Iran or Hamas cares. Like they might be like, great, this is our opportunity to strike. <laughs> is that is that a fair concern or because I just don't think they don't look at it like a state actor, like another country and say, OK, this would take us into World War Three. Yeah. They might look at it as, as, hey, this is an opportunity. Yeah, I don't think they would have initiated such a war had they actually believed that the United States would have the teeth to get involved. This is all in their calculation. And again, this wasn't something they thought of overnight. This is a complex plot that had strategy, tactics, and a lot of calculation, which did believe that right now the Biden administration, A, cannot afford to get into another war. B, they have elections coming up and they don't want to, the Democrats don't want to get involved in another war, let alone one that 
would be so deadly and costly. Um, and, and obviously the Middle East is a, is a trigger point for many because they know it's a war that never ends and, and, and costs a lot of lives. So I think that obviously that calculation went in there. And also remember Iran's regime has done something very masterful over the last decade. And, and, and this started again with President Obama. I'm not picking on him, these are the facts. When we saw insurgencies pop up in Iraq, in Syria, uh, we have the Houthis in Yemen, you have Hezbollah in Lebanon. Hezbollah, by the way, if that becomes a significant second front to this war, they are richer and more endowed than Hamas is, by the way. And again, the proxy, the number one proxy of Iran's regime. So they have surrounded Israel in a way that the war will, will, will be contained in that region and it will not be in, inside Iran or against Iran uh, or Iranian civilians, which is, is, is a good thing in many ways. But the fact that they have surrounded Israel very strategically, uh, the United States is too complex and too messy for the United States to get involved. So they park next to you know the Eastern Mediterranean. They're like, we're going to hang out here because symbolically they want to say that they did something and symbolically they want to say that they came to the aid of our ally. But too little, too late. This is all go to the root of the problem this is all because we emboldened Iran's regime. They have been setting this up for a very, very long time, and they knew it was the right time to pull the trigger. So, so bottom line, does Iran or Hamas look at the actions of the U.S. militarily as a deterrent or not? Uh, not, not, in the, not in the sense of taking this forward. Look, the damage has already been done to Israel, right? 1,400, 1,500 civilians tortured, tortured. Uh, brutally. I mean, they make ISIS look like, you know, nothing in comparison when you look at um, the horrific details of this attack on Israel. That, nothing's going back, you know, th that, that's not going to be reversed, meaning. Um, this is an absolute stain on their intelligence. It's a moral hit. It's an emotional hit. Um, you know, if you've been to Israel, I've been there 20 times in terms of, of coverage. I've been to their border towns. I've been, you know, into Gaza, into the West Bank. You understand the, the, that, that the value for life inside Israel is even one casualty is too many. Then you juxtapose that with the, this hospital being hit by their own rockets. And then when the, the, the media wakes up to kind of having to correct the narrative that it was actually them, the Palestinians gloss over it as if hundreds of lives lost for nothing, for a propaganda stunt, is just you know something to just gloss over and to forget. So I think in terms of, of Hamas and the Iran regime, looking at the United States, I mean, they're only moving forward right now because the, the damage has been done. Now they're in victim mode. Oh, look at that death toll rising. Oh, the Israelis are after genocide. They want to wipe out Gaza. They want to do this. They want to do that. The Israelis are after civilians. None of this being true. But of course, they have partners in the mainstream media, in America's left, in the right. woke movement, on college campuses, college professors calling this exhilarating and awesome. And that is why we have the narrative that we have today. Otherwise, I tweeted this last night. Had there been a Hamas attack on a place like France, okay, same attack on civilians, going into a concert, taking 300 kids out right there, uh, same attack. The French people and their supporters would not have had to spend the last 11 days on social media trying to defend themselves, on the streets of LA, New York, and Miami trying to defend themselves. It would never have happened. This is anti-Semitism. This is the re rhetoric of the Biden administration. And of course, to your main point, it is a weakening of the United States' resolve on the global stage in terms of our foreign policy. The United States is no longer number one. It is not being taken seriously. 
And now we're going to see how we're going to have to de-escalate from here. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, that's, that's actually what I worry about is how, where do we go? But the where first, do we go from here? The, the first step is for all these refugees. We've seen, uh, the King of Jordan say, absolutely not. Uh, you obviously got a lot of people in the United States, Ron DeSantis saying, I don't want to take any in. What, what happens to these people who are trapped in, in Gaza and trying to get out and saying, I live there, but this is not me? Right. Right. It's going to be very difficult. I mean, I think that that's one of the main reasons perhaps the Biden administration wanted to meet with these neighboring Arab nations right. and saying, you got to help out here. Look, Palestinians and Jordanians are blood. They're, they're the, the one and the same. Right. They were called Jordanians before 1948. They're called Palestinians now. Um, it's, it's interesting to watch the world condemn Israel over and over and over again for the responsibility of a people whose own people don't want to help them. And I don't think many people know this. They just look at Israel and they repeat the slogans and they repeat the, the taglines of, of uh, Israel as a genocidal state. Israel is occupying. Israel is, is an apartheid state and not really understanding the history or the context of all of this. Um, to your point, I don't know where these refugees will go. I don't know if they can go back home. Um, look, but we will have to see more help coming from Mahmoud Abbas, more help coming from the West Bank, more help coming from the Jordanians and the Egyptians. They just have to help out here. I don't think but, it's but that's, the same. I get, but that's I, the thing that's interesting is, and I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying, like we 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 look at it like this is the obvious solution, or this right. is, and the but then you the king wasn't equivocal. He was like, it's not happening. It's not happening, right? right. I mean, and so you you say, well, then where do they go? Because at the end of the day, if Israel wants to have this ground offensive, these folks who want nothing to do with this need to be able to go somewhere to, to escape the violence. Right. And if no one's allowing them in, I mean, I think that's what Hamas wants. They want to trap them in there, use them as human but shields. Think, but let's take this one step further. I think what Hamas is really hoping for, and Biden's going to help out with that, I assume will be that to, to cancel the ground defense. And that's what I'm hearing from my, my intelligence. Interesting. I think that that is, um, you know, but well, the, the, but the, 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 the Israeli, right? the, the Israeli <laughs> well, how do but, but um, Netanyahu, the, the, the Israeli people, I assume would rise up and say, Hey, you got us all fired. Like, there's no way we no, can't. I'll tell you why the Israeli people are stuck in a very bad position. BB in Intel. Um, they're, they're stuck in a very bad position because even though the Biden administration has not been very kind to them and, and personally with BB, they are still under pressure from the United States because they know the United States is all they have. So if the United States should say, you're not doing the ground offensive, they're not gonna do the ground offensive. I mean, they, they can try to talk about it and negotiate and try to convince the United States. But I think at the end of the day, if they are under pressure by, and this is my personal opinion, I think if they are under pressure by Israel and if they believe that their, their relationship would be um, kind of at risk or in jeopardy, I think that they would 
um, you know, reconsider a ground invasion. And I think that because it will create other consequences, both for the Biden administration, the international community, the region, uh, obviously, as you said, Jordan and Egypt and uh, Mahmoud Abbas not not complying or not playing along. As I said, I do believe that their cancellation of the meeting and using the hospital bombing as the uh, you know pretext to cancel that meeting um, was all by design. I don't think they want to get involved. They don't want to have any responsibility. They don't want to help out. They don't want any collaborations with the United States or with Israel. Um, and they they personally want to leave this as a responsibility for the United States and Israel to de-escalate. And that will be not doing the ground invasion. But So let's just play this out. It de-escalates. They, the U.S. urges Israel not to go on a ground offensive into Gaza. Israel agrees, you know, whatever Netanyahu comes up with them. How does Hamas then react? I mean, do they are they emboldened and say now we can do this again? Or is this? I guess what I'm trying to figure out is what did Hamas want the first time? Yeah, like what was was their goal to to wipe out Israel? And if so, don't they keep don't they keep going on the offensive? I think the the goal wasn't to wipe out Israel. I think that is way too audacious for, for even for them. I think the goal was to deliver a major blow to Israel, and that was done. So you that's know, consider it. it. Consider it victory for them. So if Israel it's, said it's we're not going to go on the ground offensive, they walk. They they go okay. Let's let's call it a day. Listen, regardless, Israel lost this war. Right? Think about it. For fourteen, fifteen hundred beautiful faces of these innocent civilians, and. Uh, they don't want to kill Palestinians. I truly, I do not believe that Israeli soldiers who are trained the, the way that they are trained want to kill civilians that are in harm's way. That is why they do their best to evacuate. That's why they do their best to get the international community and the UN to assist with evacuations because they don't want that death toll to rise. The rising of that death toll only helps the Palestinians and their narrative. And they are very happy, unfortunately, unfortunately, there is no respect for life uh, when they are happy to have that death toll rise because it, it plays into their narrative. So at this point, Hamas won, right? Because the, the Israelis, again, don't want that death toll to rise. They don't want the Israel Israel side uh, death toll to rise. And if they go into uh, Gaza on a ground in, in invasion, there will be a higher death toll on both sides. They will lose military men and women, and they will um, have to deal with the global consequences of having a higher death toll. So I do believe that, um, you know, in terms of, of morale, I think the Israelis lost this and they know that and they will have to go back when this is all over and sit down and think about why there was an intel lapse, why their relationship with the United States is where it's at, where it is, you know, where, where they were vulnerable. And when I say they were vulnerable, when Israel gets strike, it's a strike against the United States. Right. There are, they are our, they are our appendage in the Middle East. And it doesn't seem that way with the Biden administration. It didn't seem that way with the Obama administration. But under Trump, and you know this better than I do, we felt it. We felt that any any policy that we helped with in terms of moving the embassy, in terms of, of uh, doubling down on the Golan Heights, in terms of giving Bibi the support that he needs, all of that empowered the United States and empowered Israel. We worked together. And that's the synergy that has always been because they are our ally and our extension in the Middle East. So my... Uh, Biden's asking for a hundred million billion billion dollars that would encapsulate aid to both Ukraine and now to Israel. I feel like that. I mean, the idea that somehow you just randomly a few days later come up with a perfect number of a hundred billion dollars, it immediately sends my brain to go, that's just made up. There is no you know, we always ask kids when they come when they're in like third or fourth grade, show us your math that you didn't just guess the number. <laughs> I I do you think that that's a 
that's a sufficient number, that that's a real number? There's a few few things here. Obviously, this it, this opportunity probably turns the Biden administration on because they could send more money to Ukraine. Right. That's number one. Number two, one of the things that I have talked about, because there is this false um, uh, kind of um, people are debunking the fact that the $6 billion that uh, the Biden administration just gave a nod on with the prisoner swap with Iran's regime didn't go into spend, didn't go into funding this war. Okay, that is the, the left right. talking point. They love to say it. Um, and we've all gone around and said, okay, but even just the talk and the confidence of getting $6 billion Correct. poured into your savings account will give you the confidence to write a very generous yes. check and move on. I've added this point as well. When President Biden came into office, he reversed a lot of Trump policies. One of them from the very start was to reinstate aid to the Palestinians. Now, the reason why Trump, and I don't need to, to school you on this, John, one of the reasons Trump uh, stopped aid to the Palestinians is because they were doing the pay to slay program, which is right. giving money, monthly checks and stipends to those whose families are martyrs and kill themselves in the name of Allah and um, create jihad. They were getting U.S. taxpayer money to do this. Right. And Trump said, no, heck no, not on my time. Biden came in, reinstated this aid without any preconditions. Imagine, Sean, getting checks from the United States, aid to the Palestinians, and not really writing in the memo, do not kill people with this money. Okay? Now, when people say this is not the $6 billion, well, it just might be money from the Biden administration right. directly, which is even worse, meaning we know that it wasn't just Hamas. The Wall Street Journal broke this. We've been saying it all along, but the Wall Street Journal showed us the receipts. They showed us that the timeline of Iran meeting with four different splinter terror organizations, one of them being Hamas in Beirut over the last few months. August and September were when, where they got the green light. Iran signed off on it, and then they conducted this terror attack on October 7th. Now, again, the money, the empowerment, all of it goes back to the Biden administration. No one is talking about this. No, now, when he, no. When he in fact, down, and, now, and now the world, the narrative has shifted again to the Palestinian people, the poor Palestinian people. Well, why aren't we going to the source of why they are the poor Palestinian people? Why do they have to live under Hamas, which is paid for by Iran's regime, who, who are, we are empowering? There's so there's so many dots to connect here, and it all goes back to Tehran. And the Biden administration is cleaning its hands of it. They're going to write another hefty check to Ukraine. I mean, we need another four hours for that. That's another episode. And then writing <laughs> a, a check to the Palestinians. For what? Why aren't right. there any preconditions? Why aren't we trying to improve their lives? And I will say this because I don't want to sound like I'm a monster. The Palestinians are victims. They have this beautiful seven-mile stretch on the Mediterranean that could make the Saint-Tropez look like a dump. And instead of developing it, and instead of using whatever they were given in terms of money and resources, they're using it as a launch pad for war. That's all they do. And no one is calling them out on it. We want better for the Palestinians. It would mean better for everyone. But you have to go UNRWA, the UN, gives so much money to the Palestinian people. Why don't you go into those schools and pull those textbooks that teach them to kill Jews? Don't you want better for them? Or, or do we just want to throw money at them? Right. Well, unfortunately, that seems to be the case on so many problems. We just keep throwing money at it and not looking at the root. I mean, to, to, maybe we said, you know, someone was supposed to be doing the root cause of so many issues. And I don't think she's... Uh, She's really solved any problems. Um, thank you for your time. Um, Lisa, I really appreciate your insight, your knowledge. You really, you've been doing this for so long. Um, you know this issue back and forth and all the players. So thanks for sharing.
course. that insight with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, you for your wonderful questions. And thank you for underscoring uh, the, the real major issues here. You bet. All right. I want to thank Lisa for that enjoyable and insightful conversation. Um, you don't hear a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the media. And that was kind of, you know, she brought that up as well. These guys are so all in on Biden that they're not giving you the straight news as to what's really causing some of this and where we go from here. They just want to talk about how great Biden's doing in his response. Not the fact that to some degree he created this problem and he's not doing anything to really stop it. And I think her point about where Israel goes from here because of potential U.S. support for a ceasefire or a drawback uh, is important. But also, what's this $100 billion? I'm going to keep pushing on this, but the idea that somehow it just happens to round out to $100 billion, do you buy that? Because I don't. Well, you know what? Ukraine and Israel need uh, $100 billion. Tell me where that number came from. But this is the problem with Washington. We just make up numbers and everyone goes, okay, that's enough. Is that, does that sound good enough? I mean, there's no math behind that. Anyway, in other big news, the House had its second vote today on trying to choose a new speaker. Jordan, Jim Jordan from Ohio had lost 20 votes on the first one. Today, he lost 22. He moved in the wrong direction. So let me give you the upside and the downside. The upside is two people came in his direction, um, but he lost four, right? So he lost more than he gained. And he went in the wrong direction. When McCarthy was doing this, he never went below 200. Um, Jordan wanted to bring this to the floor and force it. And the question now is, does he keep going? Or do they do a couple things? Try to empower Patrick McHenry, the speaker pro tem. There's a motion that Mike Kelly from Pennsylvania might offer that would empower him to sort of act as the speaker until a new one is chosen, but allow him to do legislative business. It's a privileged resolution, so it would get taken up right by the House. The Democrats seem very in support of this. Uh, and enough for Republicans potentially could. The other question is, does Jordan just keep plugging ahead and trying to trying to scrap away and see what he can do. Um, but you're moving in the wrong direction. And the people who are voting against him have shown no signs that they're willing to give up. One thing I will tell you about is the tactics. And I talked to some folks last night about this. They are going after, there's a lot of conservatives that are posting all the phone numbers of these guys who are voting against him. And the idea was to pressure them, to put pressure on them by having people call them, conservative influencers and activists, et cetera, to pressure them into voting. Everyone that I talked to last night, and it's not all of them, is saying that that is making them, their resolve stiffer, that they will now never vote for Jordan. Agree or disagree, I'm, not, I'm just telling you what's happening, that this hardball tactic wasn't probably the way to go with a bunch of these guys and releasing their phone. And again, this, this is all public. They're all public servants. I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm trying to say here. What I'm saying is playing hardball and saying, great, we'll jam you with phone calls. Uh, one of them, Don Bacon, was talking about how his wife was getting raked over the coals. Um, I just think for, for some of these guys, the, the carrot might've been better than the stick. That's just my opinion. And I'm not telling, like, this is not a saying that I don't want Jordan. I think this is just saying, how do you actually get Jim Jordan to become speaker? 
I'm just telling you for a lot of these guys, the stick approach was probably not the smartest move. Um, and I think it, like I said, it stiffened their resolve. So where do we go from here? Who knows? But the upside is we have a great show headed your way for tomorrow. Larry O'Connor of WMAL, he broadcasts here in the nation's capital. Tony Katz out in Indianapolis. We're going to break down so much of what's going on uh, on a fun panel discussion that, again, is insightful and enjoyable. Uh, Carol Swain will be here at the end of the week on Friday as well. Obviously, a ton happening here in Washington, D.C. Uh, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for supporting the show. Please continue to share it with friends. Again, I think you're getting questions and discussions that you're not getting anywhere else. And the idea isn't to persuade you. You're all smart people. The idea is to help inform you what's really going on. What aren't you being told in the mainstream media? If you want to text me, you can, 571-441-4991. But a lot to break down in the world of politics happening uh, not just this week, but as we go forward. So I thank you for your support, your being here. Please continue to subscribe to the show as well. My Apple Podcast, YouTube, uh, you never know when we're going to get canceled, but it's always helpful to show growth in the show. Thanks so much. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Sean Spicer Show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.